Hello and welcome to the podcast. You're listening to Be Uncluttered. I'm Rebecca Mazzino and with me is Tara Tuttle and together we are going to help you on your journey to a life free of clutter. Hi and welcome to the show. This week I am having a chat to Rochelle Glendon. Rochelle is a wife and mother from Brisbane who understands what makes a busy life but prefers to live hers slowly. She is the host of the How to Live Slow podcast and coordinator of the How to Live Slow Facebook community. Today I have Rochelle here with me to discuss the difference between self-care and self-soothing. Welcome to the show, Rochelle. Thank you so much for having me. It's yeah, it's great to chat. Let's talk about self-care. This idea of the entire self-care movement has exploded in recent times. It's this broad brush, all-encompassing term that we seem to throw around and it includes any and all activities that nurture us or tend to our needs. We hear repeatedly that self-care is essential for a complete or happy or fulfilling life and get told that it's something we should be doing more of and making regular time for. But... Commonly, when people refer to self-care activities, the self-care things they're partaking in, they're often talking about what is really defined as self-soothing. So I want you to enlighten us and explain to us the difference between those two terms. What is self-care and what is self-soothing? Yeah, so self-care to my mind is all those things that we do with a long-term approach to our well-being. And sometimes they're not always the most comfortable things to be doing. Um, and we'll go into exactly what those things might be um, in a minute. But yeah, self-soothing, on the other hand, is kind of like what I might also refer to as consumer self-care, um, which is like, you know, we spend money on certain things or we might do things, you know, like massages and bubble baths and all of that stuff um, to, yeah, make ourselves feel better in the moment, but which may actually be a form of procrastination sometimes. Um, yeah so that's yeah right so you mentioned uh, having a massage what are some other examples of these self-soothing activities that we commonly refer to as self-care because I can think of a few that I've coined myself you know taking a photo of getting a pedicure and hashtag self-care so I you know if other people out there are relating to this they're not alone I've done it as well so what are some of the other things we commonly think of as self-care but that are actually self-soothing yeah like you said like it's getting a pedicure or a massage or having a bubble bath or you know a chocolate bar or something like that Um, anything where you sort of say oh you know I've had a stressful day so I totally deserve this Mm -hmm. Um, you know um, at retail therapy buying a new dress or something like that those are all sort of like what I think, like I said, consumer self-care that we sort of see on Instagram. Yep. So, and but all those things sound really lovely and do make you feel good in the moment. So why don't they fit then under the umbrella of genuine self-care? Is it because the benefit is short-lived? So, I mean, they are important parts of our self-care self-care toolkit like it's really it is important like you know sometimes you do need to have a bubble bath or get a massage but I feel like when you only focus on those things that's where it can get to be you know maybe a problem where underneath that like asking yourself like why do I need a massage why do I feel so stressed out Um, and looking at those uh, things that's where the real self-care kind of comes into play and asking yourself the hard question of am I getting this 
thing or doing this thing or over committing my budget to buy myself this fancy, you know, bag or whatever to procrastinate or to self-soothe because I'm not dealing with whatever it is that's making me stressed or overwhelmed or, um, you know, not having the hard conversations that I need to be having and that sort of thing. Okay. So why do you think it's important to know the difference between the two terms and what they do and don't constitute? What What's the benefit of understanding the difference between proper, genuine self-care and self-soothing? I think it's important to know the difference because, well, it's un- it's important to understand why you're doing a particular thing. So if you're self-soothing because you're procrastinating or avoiding, uh, you know, you might be, you know, procrastination is a form of stress relief. So when we when we have a lot of overwhelming tasks ahead of us at work or we need to have a conversation with someone um, that we don't want to have, we can procrastinate on it. Um, and then that's when we engage in those self-soothing activities like procrastinating baking or watching TV or cleaning the house when we should be doing work or something like that. So that's like when you understand the difference between, you know, asking yourself, well, why am I doing this? Then you know whether it's the right choice to be doing the self-soothing activities or whether you actually just need to pick up the phone and make the phone call or, um, you know, all of, or maybe it's, you know, if you're not feeling good about, um, you know, mental health wise, maybe it's booking in to see somebody or asking for help or maybe it's actually going to bed early enough to get up and do the exercise that you've been promising yourself to do. So it's just understanding the difference of where you're coming from and why you're doing a certain activity. And then you can kind of figure out whether or not maybe the self-soothing activity is actually making the problem worse um, because you're not actually living up to your your best self. Yeah, I can see how self-soothing and doing those kind of activities can almost mask what the real problem is because if you've got a really like a chronically stressful job and you think, okay, well, you know, my, my days are full, my mind is full, you know, I'm not sleeping well because, you know, I'm thinking about my day tomorrow and whatever, but I'm going to get home from work and uh, have a bubble bath and get myself a glass of wine and read a book for 20 minutes in the bath because that's self-care. And that does make you feel good in the moment. And then you are able to get up tomorrow and do it again. But if you do that over and over and keep kind of placating yourself with these tiny little rewards or self-soothing moments, you never get to the crux of the problem, which is I have a chronically stressful job and it's impacting my ability to sleep. It's impacting the free time I have. It's, you know, maybe it's causing me other stress-related health issues or whatever. So I can see how this self-soothing is really lovely, but it can kind of lead you down a different path where you, you know, don't recognize and don't remedy the bigger problem, which is, you know, you kind of need to step back to look at rather than just pushing it down by looking after yourself only in the moment. Yeah, exactly. And, and that's where like slow living and what I talk about really comes into its own because, you know, you you learn to respect your own time and to, you know, take action towards the things that are your priorities. You get to know what your priorities are and you make space for them. Um, talking about particularly like work and if you've got a really stressful job or, or maybe you want to change careers. Um, but, you know, 
you've worked in the current career that you've got for so long that you're paid so much money that the, the other career option that you really want to go down, maybe you want to change from, you know, being in corporate to starting your own business, it's going to be a massive pay cut, at least in the short term. So you procrastinate on actually doing the things that will get you towards that because, you know, you can't conceive how you would ever live on that lower level of income. But procrastinating or like self-soothing, which is consumer self-care, would be keeping you stuck in that job because you're spending the money on the things that make you feel good about the where you're at or mm. you, know, you see what I'm saying so yeah when you go okay well I really want to change my job I've got a new d- direction I went ahead into how can I get control of my fa- finances take a rein on like maybe I don't need those things maybe I can just you know cut back the budget to the point where I can save some money so that I can make the leap and to me, that's the long-term view of actually looking after your well-being, which is the ultimate self-care. Yeah, so this term that you've used, consumer self-care, which really is self-soothing, yeah. do you feel then we are falsely sold to by the consumerist market? Because, you know, ads and uh, influencers on social media, they all tell us that we should get a facial and we should eat that bar of chocolate or we should have a pedicure because it's self-care and because we deserve it, because we have a hard life. Are they just leading us down the wrong path? Are they trying to sell us comfort in the moment when what we really need is healing, like longer-term, deeper healing? Uh, I think absolutely, yeah. I think and they're selling us their products but calling it comfort mm. um, essentially like um you know we we don't buy a product based on its you know list of um features we buy it on the emotion that are that, and they know that like we all know that that's how marketing works right so mm-hmm. when they give you that okay say it's the chocolate bar and it's or it's that can of coke or you know fizzy drink or whatever and you see that lifestyle that they're portraying like if you have this product that means you uh, respect yourself or whatever of course that's you know that's going to sell more chocolate bars than just saying this is chocolate <laughs> yeah yeah so i think and it absolutely. has this many calories and it tastes good yeah when <laughs> yeah. when they sell it as in you've had a tough day and the kids have been nagging at you and you're exhausted and you're stressed, you know, sit down on the couch and relax and, you know, have this bar of chocolate because you've earned it. You deserve this, girlfriend. Like I I buy into that. I go, yes, I do deserve it. Yes, I do need that. Um, <laughs> oh, it, it annoys me that even though I know that stuff, it still works. I know. It still works. Yeah, exactly. And um and that's why, yeah, that's why it works is because they, they do reach into that um, subconscious, you know, emotional heartstrings. Like we don't want mm. our lives to be this stressful. We don't want to feel like our kids are nagging us. Um, unfortunately, a chocolate bar or a bubble bath doesn't change that. <laughs> no, and that's that's exactly the point, isn't it? Yeah. We kind of placate ourselves with all these really short-term um, feel-good moments or Um, pleasures or whatever it is to get us through when what we really need to be looking at is why do we need to get through why can't we enjoy so maybe stop placating yourself look at the real deeper issue why do you feel like you need assistance to get through the day or why do you feel like you need a reward at the end of the day obviously you haven't set your life up or you're not in a position where 
you're, you're, you're genuinely happy or fulfilled or content with your existence. So why not work on that deeper, harder stuff rather than just giving yourself tiny little rewards for surviving? Yeah, exactly. And that's why I said um, at the very start is that it's a long-term kind of well-being practice and it also isn't always easy or comfortable and sometimes it can be really painful and difficult to do these real self-care things in the short term but over the long term you'll look back and realize that if you've taken action towards the things like getting on top of your budget understanding your values um, you know taking the time to do the things that are important to you um, dealing with your mental health your physical health and all of those things and they take discipline and work but um, it's all about regret-free living, right? <laughs> yeah. So you mentioned a bunch of stuff there that real self-care is. So there, I'm guessing there are all the kinds of things that actually do constitute self-care. So not these immediate gratification, placating small wins or small soothing moments. It's the deeper stuff. Yep. So... I was going to say, why should we be spending time doing them? I guess it's kind of evident, but can you, can you run through that list again? Or, you know, a few of those things that you mentioned, the real self-care activities? Yeah, sure. So, um, yeah, for me, real self-care is um, all about understanding what your boundaries are, what your capacity and energy for, for each day is. And for women, this is also understanding your cycles and your energy flows throughout the month, because that definitely changes. So that's an important thing to know. Um, but yeah, understanding that you've only got a certain amount of energy and capacity for people and things. Um, you've only got a certain amount of time in the day. So knowing that and honoring that, um, respecting your own time, respecting others' times by time, by holding your own boundaries and learning how to say no to things that might actually just be people-pleasing um, to then, you know, go inward and say, well, what are my values? So understanding what your values are and looking at are you spending your time in a way that honors those and and is in alignment with those values so if you say that your family is the one number one thing in your life but you spend all of your time working and you haven't had any quality time with any of your family members in weeks then that may be something that you want to bring back into alignment mm. um, equally if you say your friends are the most important thing to you but you never seem to find time to give them a call that might be something else that you might want to do Another thing is then to also look at your finances. So if you Ooh. find yourself Yeah, see, in, that's, why, yeah. that's why people have a bubble bath because looking at your finances, <laughs> who wants to do that? But it's true, isn't it? Like it's that is yeah. ultimate self-care, getting yourself in a financially stable position. But because it seems hard and uncomfortable, we go, oh, yeah. I'll just uh, I'll get a pedicure instead. Yep, exactly. Yeah, so getting your finances sort of like even things like making sure you've got the right insurances and making sure you've got a will in place if you've especially if you've got kids and making sure that you know maybe you need to downsize and think about getting a smaller mortgage or a smaller home or um it doesn't have to be that maybe it's just about paying off your credit cards and any like you know small loans that you've got things like that just getting it all you know in alignment so that you can we all want a, a soft place to land and financial security is um, one of the elements of a soft place to land. Um, so making mm. sure you've got, you know, what making the most of your finances in the best way that you can with whatever resources you have available. Um, and then also looking at your health and well-being from a holistic point of view. 
like we all kind of think that uh, well-being is, you know, eating salad and going to the gym and we have this expectation of what a healthy person is. But sometimes going to the gym like and thrashing your body is actually depleting it. When you're really stressed, going for a long run or going to the gym and doing heaps of weights actually can be the worst thing for your body. If you're really stressed and you just need rest, maybe some yin yoga or something like that is actually much better for you. So actually acknowledging or understanding what your body needs and nourishing your body and not punishing it for not looking the way that you want it or not working in the way that you want it to work. Um, So that's also got to do with like self-acceptance and and self-care because you care enough about your body that you love it regardless of how it looks or how it works. Yes, that definitely makes sense. So one thing that I've heard you say you've mentioned through our chat is the idea relating to self-care of honouring our time, that that's a self-care activity. And that's something I hadn't really considered personally as self-care. And you talk about keeping promises to yourself, saying no to things that are just people-pleasing. So can you talk a little bit around that and about how honouring our own time fits into this notion of self-care? Yeah, sure. Yes. So I feel that, yeah, people-pleasing is something that we all kind of do. We say yes to things that we don't really want to do. And we, we do it so much that often we're not even really aware that that's what we're doing. We just feel this deep sense of like, I never get time for myself or I never do the things that I want to do because I'm always busy, um, always doing things for other people. And you might even feel a, a sort of niggling sense of resentment, but you're not even really sure. Um, and it, and that's because I feel that by being a people pleaser, we're, we're not really honouring what we really want. And we've talked a little bit about money as, and money is a, one of our resources and our energy is another one of our resources. But both of those things we can get more of. We can never really get more of, of our time, you know. Mm-hmm. Once it's used, it's used. So time in that sense for me is the most precious, precious resource that we have. So we don't really want to get to the end of our life and think that we didn't really live up to our own expectations of the kind of person that we want to be. So honouring your own time really is probably the most important part of real self-care in my mind. So can you think of ways that we can, like practical ways to do this more? I know I quite often will talk to people about having a moment of pause when people ask you to do anything, even if it's something lovely like come over for dinner or it can be um, uh, we need someone to be vice president of the whatever, the soccer club, you know, whenever anyone asks something of you before you have that instinctive reply, because we all like to say yes and keep everyone happy is to have a moment of pause. And if you can't say no at the time, but you feel like you want to say no, come up with a, I need to go home and check my diary and I'd love to help. But if it's not suitable, then I'll, I'll definitely let you know in the next hour or the next week or whatever it is. Yeah. So other than having that moment of pause, can you think of other ways that we might um, try and honour our time? Yeah, absolutely. So I think the first thing to know is that if you feel like it's hard to say no to other people's request on your time, it's probably because you feel really guilty that you don't have a good reason. And meaning that we think of ourselves as having to have something else on as the reason why we can't do the thing that they're asking. 
but sometimes not having anything on in the diary, like you need to be at home sometimes to meal prep if you want to have some healthy meals for lunch for the week at work. Uh, And we don't think of that as being valuable time or at least not in the normal sense. But when you start to think of that as being a valuable way to spend your time and you start to think of the things that would be constituting real self-care, like, okay, well, I know I need to get on top of my will, but you actually haven't ever scheduled any time in for that. Um, Then when you start to schedule in those things, then you have, I guess, in your mind, a reason to do to say no, even if you don't have to say, oh, sorry, I can't do that because I've got to do my will. (laughs) Like you don't want to say that. (laughs) But in your mind, you have got that sense of I need to say no to this because I have actually got other things to do. So I think, yeah, remembering that it doesn't, you don't have to have another commitment (laughs) that would be reasonable for someone else for you to then say no to them, if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. And because that's the thing. And even... Because it almost feels like if you don't have a commitment, you are free. But that's so not the case because sometimes it is nice to just be, just be home with no commitments so you can get bored. Not that anyone knows how to get bored these days, but that's a whole nother podcast. Yeah. Um, But like to have a, a Saturday afternoon where you have no commitments and you can either hang out with your children or you can read a book or you can go for a walk or you can do whatever your heart desires at that time based on your feelings rather than having to weigh off what well, weigh up commitments like yeah someone asks you can you be here at this time no I don't have anything on but giving yourself permission to say um no look I'm that space is valuable in my week or that's my downtime and so I'm not prepared to book it out I think we have to get better at saying that don't we Yeah, absolutely. Um, They say spontaneity is the spice of life, but if you have absolutely crammed your diary full of commitments, then there's no room for that. And like you said, being bored or just having space available to say yes to things in the moment Mm. um, rather than, you know, having yourself scheduled for a month in advance and someone says you want to catch up for coffee and you're like, yeah, I'm available for 20 minutes on Tuesday next month. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I had a, had a, moment of doing this recently where someone asked me to be secretary of something or other and I was like okay I'm going to be really honest and I said look I'm going to say no and it's not because I have a great reason yeah I'm not saying no because I've got a conflict of interest or no because I have something else on that night when you meet I'm saying no because I want to keep the space to say yes to something that I'm really interested in or really committed to. Like, yeah, I'd love to join a book club. Or as it turned out, I've started playing netball again. But it was like, um, I don't want to fill my time with something I feel really meh about because my time is precious and I want to have that time available so that if something comes up and as it turned out, netball, like a it's hilarious. It's a mum's netball team. Most I haven't played for 20 years. Some of the mums have never played ever, but we do it on a Monday night after our kids play netball and it is hilarious and we're having such a ball. But when this came up, I was like, hell yes, this is what I want to do. And I'm like, I'm so glad I said no to being a secretary of this blah, blah committee, which felt only obligation there was no joy in that at all and I know someone has to take that job but I was like I really if I have a free night during the week 
I want to do it with something that fills me up, not something that drains me. So I think being able to say to people as well, I'm saying no to that because the space in my life is valuable or I want to keep the space free for something that really lights me up and this is not it. I think that's okay too. Absolutely. Yeah, that's right. And if you had said yes, like you said, you wouldn't have had the opportunity to do netball, which sounds amazing by the way. But also you take that opportunity away from someone who does want to do that, who would be lit up by doing that secretary job. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know, there are people who do enjoy that sort of thing. And um, yeah, leaving it open for someone to say yes to is is also important. Um, But I remember there's a book called Drop the Ball by Tiffany Dufu and she talks about this specifically. And this is why I think... um, understanding your values is so important because she said, you know, like one of my values as a working mum is to make sure that I have at least 20 minutes of quality time with my kids every day. Um, So when I was asked to be on the PNC, I knew it was an immediate no, because that just because like being a good engaged mum doesn't involve necessarily being on the PNC. That actually takes time away from my kids. Mm -hmm. So I thought that was a really great way and that's what I immediately thought of when you said secretary. (laughs) Yeah, and look, Um, how would you suggest then because it's one thing to say figure out your values or, you know, get in touch with them but that requires some level of perspective and quite often we have to step back a little bit in order to focus on what is important because trying to cram, you know, between 4.35 and 4.45 on a Tuesday afternoon trying to go schedule, I've got 10 minutes there, I need to sit down and figure out my values, quite often doesn't happen. We need to either be away or be removed from the immediate, uh, you know, chaos of our lives to assess that. Do you have any strategies? Like would you journal about it or would you, if you have a significant other in your life, would you, you know, maybe – have a date night or go for a walk and discuss it. How do you, how do you figure that out? How do you um, practice the self-care of understanding what your values are? Well, again, I think it comes back to slow living. So prioritizing that downtime and that rest and that space um, for those things to just naturally kind of come Mm -hmm. up. So um, It's interesting because I I do actually have a program called The Slow Life and in that we do some values training and um, one of my clients said, you know, like, you know, you've got to think about priorities, right, as being um, if everything's a priority, then nothing's a priority. Mm -hmm. So it's it's different than having, um, well, I I say values but I mean priorities because you can say that you value friends, family, travel, this, that, the other, but actually what are your priorities at the moment? They don't have to be fixed and they don't, they can change. So maybe at the moment you've got, you know, kids at school and that your priority is your little family bubble. And the other priority might be personal growth. So um, figuring that out, it does take time, but also it, it, it requires you to be okay with letting go of some other things. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't think there's one direct process to figure out exactly what your values are or what your priorities are and they don't have to stay. You don't have to commit to them forever but say like, you know, I have one friend who she's got four kids and she she and her husband have a business but then she's got a mum who has and a grandma who's sick and the, her mum's looking after her grandma and she said, 
I really want to prioritize my family, but my mum's always asking me to help with my grandma and I feel really guilty about not making that a priority. So I think like understanding that it's actually okay to say no to some things and some things will be really hard mm-hmm. to sort of let go, but doesn't mean that you can't make them a priority again later. Um, yeah, and th- yeah. So I don't know if that really answers um, yeah, I, in the kind of way you wanted. <laughs> no, that definitely gives us a bit of insight. And I think people have to find out what what works for them. If you, I mean, some people it might yeah. be very instinctual, and they might be able to um, figure out almost instantly what what their priorities are. But I think it's also that understanding that prior means first, and there can really only be one first thing. So if you have to list. Um, what is important to you in order you can't put 10 things at number one yeah those things are one to ten and so maybe the family bubble is one and looking after grandma is two and that's okay it doesn't it doesn't mean that grandma is insignificant it just means that she if it comes to a choice between those two things you you know which one will win out and maybe not every time more times than not and so I think sometimes having that clarity helps you make those decisions because in the moment when things are getting thrown at you um, and competing for your time competing for your energy and attention you answer thinking well it's in my top 10 I have to say yes but it's like okay well hang on where does this rate it's number five and I'm giving up something that's number two to spend time doing something that's number five okay then that doesn't that doesn't yeah. equate. I need to reassess. Um, yeah, yeah, that's right. And I really like the analogy of when you're saying like throwing things at you. If you think of those things that are coming at you as being balls, mm-hmm. which ones are glass that you have to catch, and which ones would just bounce? <gasps> Ooh, like if you I dropped a glass that. ball, it would break. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that's really good. I think that's a really powerful image. So. Is there any overlap? Getting back to the whole idea of self-care and Mm self-soothing being kind of these two um, areas of our lives, one being more long-term focused, deeper healing, and one being like immediate short-term gratification. Is there any overlap? Can self-soothing for one person be self-care for another or are they kind of mutually exclusive? Uh, I think that they are probably more so it depends on not the person but the scenario. Yeah. So sometimes what you need is self-soothing. Sometimes what you need is self-care. So I think about like say if you're going to start seeing a psychologist because you've got some, you know, childhood trauma to deal with, that is going to be a lot of emotional heavy lifting more than likely So upping the self-soothing stuff like the bubble baths and all of that is probably, you know, going to bed and getting lots of rest and all of those. That's actually going to support you in that longer term self-care of dealing with the trauma so that you can move forward. So it depends on, again, the reason why. So if you are having a bubble bath to avoid going to the psychologist, then that would be a different you know, mm-hmm. reason. <laughs> so I think there's overlap, but I think they're also both part tools in a toolkit as well. Yeah. And I think even just having for people listening to this podcast, and I know certainly I've had a few light bulb moments just talking to you, just having the understanding of the two and the difference between the two 
you can take the moment to question yourself about whether this self-soothing activity, which is really lovely, um, and it's yeah. like you said, we're not self-soothing rebels that we, you know, suggesting that you don't do it. Um, but if you check in with yourself and go, right, is this self-soothing just because I want to do something nice for me or is it masking a deeper problem that I am trying to avoid dealing with and having the appreciation that those two things might be getting in the way of each other um, and, and asking yourself the question, checking in with yourself, it might just lead you to the right answer. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And asking yourself, like, what's going to feel better in the long run? Mm. Like, is is it going to be self-soothing in the moment or is it being the kind of person that does the hard things that makes the difference? Absolutely. Okay, oh, this has been a really wonderful <laughs> discussion. Thank you so much for your insight. It's been really valuable. So I will make sure that we share all the links to your resources in our show notes but if listeners want to get more of you right now where can they find you where do you hang out well first of all I just want to say thank you so much for inviting me on the show it's been an amazing chat I've really enjoyed today Um, and if you want to find me online it's my website I'm on Pinterest I'm on Instagram Facebook and also my podcast they're all just how to live slow so the website's howtoliveslow.com and you just search that in any I'm pretty much everywhere. (laughs) Brilliant. Well, thank you so much, Rochelle. And if you have got some comments or some tips or some questions in relation to living slow or the difference between self-care and self-soothing, please come and join us in our Facebook community and have a chat there. That's where all the good discussions happen. And we will be back with you again next week. Thanks for joining us. We'd love it if you'd leave a review or tell all your friends about us so that they too can be uncluttered. If you'd like to connect with us, you can find us at beuncluttered.com.au or on social media or on our own websites at clearspace.net.au and basklifecoaching.com.